Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you. Uh, As you know, we are in a sermon series, and we're looking at the Lord's Prayer together in order to foster and nurture prayer in our own lives. Jesus taught us this prayer so that we would talk to God as the good Father that He is. And today we come to the part in the Lord's Prayer where we pray, lead us not into temptation. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can open up to James chapter 1. Verses 12 through 18, and it's also printed in and in your order of worship. <clears throat> Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. This is God's word. It's given to us for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, James tells us that if we lack wisdom, we should ask you. And so in this moment, we come to you and we ask that you would give us eyes to see your word. You give us eyes to see the schemes of the evil one and the deception that also lives in our own hearts. And we also pray that the words that we just read together would lead us to the good and perfect gift of your son, Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Well, in the late 90s, uh, my church's senior pastor uh, had a talk show called um, The Eleventh Hour on the local television station. Yes, it's as cheesy as it sounds. And at the time, I was a brand new Christian, and I also happened to be the student body president of my high school. And my pastor decided to uh, invite me and the other student body president at another school who was also in our youth group onto his show. Now, I had no idea what to expect or what we were gonna talk about, but I knew that we were expected to represent. So a few minutes into the conversation, my pastor turns to me and says, David, tell us uh, about the event called See You at the Flagpole at Davis High School. Now, the previous week, um, my church friends had said, hey, we're going to pray before school tomorrow by the flagpole, get to school a little early. So I showed up, there were about 50 or so people there, we prayed and then we went to class as usual. That was the full extent of my involvement. Now, I could see the expectation and the eagerness on my pastor's face when we were live on the air. So I started sharing the few facts that I knew. But reading his expression, I could see that he expected more from me. So I just started talking. Pretty soon, I was painting a picture of not 50 students, but like 100 students gathered in the pre-dawn hours and portraying myself as deeply passionate about praying at the flagpole. So finally he asked, 
How often does this happen? I'm pretty sure he knew the answer, but I did not. I had no idea. But I was caught up in the moment, and I said, every morning. Every single morning. And he responded, wow, that's incredible. You guys are on fire. And I responded, yes. Yes, we are. I was thinking about this scenario this week in the context of Jesus teaching us to pray, lead us not into temptation. My parents actually recorded this interview, and Rachel and I watched it once when I was uh, visiting them. I got to tell you, it was both hilarious and agonizing to watch my teenage self with frosted tips faking my way through this conversation. I wish I could have gone back and, you know, back in time and coached myself. Hey man, take a deep breath. You are not responsible for the ratings of this television show. Now, I'm sure that many of us have had situations where we have been tempted to misrepresent ourselves, to fudge the truth a bit in order to belong or to impress someone. Now, I know that's not everyone's flavor of temptation, but James says that we will all face some sort of temptation that is particular to our lives, our stories, our desires. And that temptation will hit us, each of us, where we are most vulnerable. And so each of us needs this prayer that Jesus taught us. So as we look at our passage uh, this morning, I want us to notice three things about temptation. First, that James makes a crucial distinction between trials and temptation. The second is temptation is inherently deceptive. And third, God offers an antidote to temptation. So first, right away in verse 12, James shows us that there is a distinction between trials or tests, that is adversity, and temptation, meaning enticement to sin. Now the word that gets translated as temptation in the Lord's Prayer can also mean trial or test. It's depending on the context. But in our passage, we see James use all three of them, or use it in all three ways. In verse 12, he writes, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So the first thing that is important to understand is that Scripture is clear that we should expect tests and trials in this broken world. 1 Peter 4 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. You know, I think much of the discouragement and the pain that we face in our lives is due to our shock that things are not going as we had hoped they would. Moreover, what James is implying in verse 12 is that a test or trial is not in and of itself what we have to fear. It's possible that a trial or a test can do what any well-constructed classroom test does. It reflects back to us what we have really learned and what we have missed. It keeps us honest. 
And you know, we, we all face hundreds of little tests every day. A hundred opportunities to exercise our faith, to practice integrity, to give good in place of evil. Like when you see someone drop a $20 bill out of their wallet at the grocery store. That is a tiny test. Now you could kind of keep quiet and let them walk away and then casually pick it up and put it into your pocket. But most of you, without even thinking as a reflex, would say, excuse me, you drop this because it's test material that you have mastered. And yet there will be plenty of tests that come our way that will be way more difficult, way more challenging. And this is where we need God's grace. And of course, each of us knows what the substantial trials are in our own lives. Some of us are facing betrayal or loneliness or a workplace where everyone seems to be cutting corners. We face financial fears or stressors or serious illness. Now, please hear this. It is in the smaller tests where we are strengthened for the really big ones, for the fiery trials that without God's help would devour us. Now, given the inevitable hardship of life, Jesus gives us this prayer, lead us not into temptation, both to pray in the moment of temptation, but I think even more importantly, to pray preemptively. And also, there, there is a hint in this prayer of humbly acknowledging that there are tests that we may not have the strength to stand up against. And so in a sense, we are also praying, Lord, I want to be faithful. Spare me from that which will devour me. And church, that's exactly what temptation is. It's when instead of persevering through the test, through the trial, we instead feel a pull to escape it, to somehow circumvent it by doing whatever will get us out the quickest. When we give in to temptation, we may think that we are gaining something in the present. But in the long term, we miss out on opportunities to know God in and through the struggle and his strengthening presence for future wrestling. We cheat the process through which God will work good for our growth and maturity and grace and dependence on him which culminates, as James says, in the crown of life. So the second thing I want us to see is that temptation is inherently deceptive. James writes in verses 13 to 15, Let no one, when he is tempted, say, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured <clears throat> and enticed by his own desire. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. 
Well, as we've already acknowledged that there are times when God ordains and allows us to be tested. We see that with Abraham. We see that in the children of Israel in the wilderness. But apparently, James had run into people who had made the claim, well, if, if God has providentially allowed this awful circumstance in my life, then he is at least partially responsible when I respond poorly. And James responds quite simply by saying, look, we cannot blame the test for what it reveals about us. God is not in the business of trying to trip us up. It is alien to his nature to be in league with evil or to entice us to dabble in it. God is all goodness. And that's exactly what he made us for too. But here's the nature of evil. It is a thief and a liar. Evil has no other strategy apart from deception. It has no creative power in and of itself. It can only warp and twist that which God has made. And James says, let me tell you what happens when we're tempted. You and I, we were built with good, God-given desires. We were made as emotional and spiritual and physical beings, and all of those parts desire care. We desire connection and joy and purpose and security. We were made for fruitful work and restorative rest. We were made for healthy sexuality. But here's what evil does. Evil comes along and gets a hook in those desires. And James paints a picture in which evil uses those desires to try to drag us away by telling us, hey, you know what? You don't have to walk through this test to get to your heart's desire. You can get it more cheaply. It's just on the other side of this indulgence. It's only going to be one time. It'll be fine. I randomly picked up an article uh, the other day about cuckoo birds. I don't know if you know about cuckoo birds, but they, uh, they, they trick other birds into raising their chicks. When it's time to lay an egg, a female cuckoo bird will spy out the nest of a different species of bird, wait until the mother bird flies away and leaves her eggs, and then swoops in and lays just one egg. And here's the really creepy thing, and they actually had pictures of this in the article. When the cuckoo bird hatches, the invader chick either pushes the rightful eggs out of the nest or kills the rightful chicks. And so the duped mother bird ends up feeding and caring for only the cuckoo chick. And the name for birds like this that prey off other species is called a brood parasite. And church, this is exactly what temptation is. It is a brood parasite. And temptation, evil, evil is presenting you with something that looks very much like the good desires of your heart. But nurturing the cheap substitute will demand all of your energy, talent, 
and joy and will give you nothing in return. I see this play out perfectly in the TV interview with my senior pastor. I had, I had no intention of lying when I went into that interview. But my desire at that moment was to be liked, was to be admired, and to belong in this new church community that had graciously welcomed me in. And the desire was so strong and attractive that within an instant I, have given it, I had given in to the, the temptation to trade my integrity for some new uh, identity that I thought would give me the thing that I desired. And so here's the thing. This was a small moment of temptation to present a false self to impress and to belong. But I quickly recovered from this situation. I realized that I had freaked out and I realized that I had lied. But imagine if instead of recognizing what had happened and repenting, I committed my life to this charade. If you play that out 10, 15 years down the line, it leads to a really sad and lonely and empty existence. It leads to a kind of death. And that is how evil preys on our lives. So number three, what is, what is the antidote to temp temptation? James writes in verses 17 to 18, Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters, for every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruit of his creatures. The antidote to temptation is to see through the deception, to see that every good and perfect gift comes down from our good Father. James reminds us that God has already, already graciously given us every good thing that we have. Everything. Before we deserved it, even though we often live like it is not enough. And the way that God treats us is, is full of consistency and full of integrity. No matter how we behave, he returns good for evil. He always makes the first move to love. This is a beautiful counter picture to the brokenness of this world. And among Jesus' last words to his disciples is what he said to Simon Peter in our gospel lesson this morning. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And of course, right, self-deceiving Peter replies, Lord, I am ready to go with you to death Jesus tells him exactly what will go down. Before the rooster crows three times, Peter will give in to temptation to save his own hide. He will sit by a fire 25 yards from Jesus as he's condemned and tortured, and he will do nothing. Not from lack of love, but because evil has told him that the good doesn't have a chance at prevailing. And so his only chance at life is to make himself small 
and to be quiet. And church, some of us have heard that lie whispered to us our whole lives. But hear again what Jesus says to Peter. I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And friends, Jesus says the same thing to you and to me. Our elder brother, he knows our frame. He knows what it feels like to want to find an easier path. And so even as Jesus has taught us how to talk to our Father, he also stands at the Father's right hand in this moment praying for us. Praying that what evil intends to crush us, that God in his mercy would redeem us and to bring us to maturity and completion. James offers us a picture of God striving on our behalf. And even when we forget who he is and we choose to follow our own path that leads to death, God in his goodness chooses to give us life through his word, the word of truth, through Jesus. And so when we pray, lead us not into temptation, we are praying, Lord, Bless us with the secure knowledge that you are generous and good and have planned from all eternity to take care of us. Help us to see that every good and perfect gift comes from your hand. Give us eyes to see the wide expanse of your kingdom that you have prepared for us. And give us courage to walk in a straight line towards you. Church, can you imagine the kind of people that 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 prayer grows into? The kind of people that God grows out of that prayer? It's the kind of people that he created us to be described in Psalm 1. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Amen? And amen. Lord Jesus, may it be so. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for teaching us this prayer. Lead us not into temptation. But Father, we know that this prayer isn't just for us as individual, for our individual flourishing and our walk. You taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation. This prayer is also for us as a community to pray it on each other's behalf that we may be light into the darkness. And so would we commit to praying for each other that with your help that we may trample on the neck of evil through the way that we love and the way that we show kindness to others and the way that you have shown love and kindness to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.